Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and I have been in the scanner radio hobby since about the time that I was a little kid. You see, my dad, my grandfather, my uncle, right? They've all had scanners going whenever I would visit them at their homes, and they have and had a love and knowledge of scanning, and each one of them passed it down to me. Whether they realized it or not, I absorbed their love for scanning. And my mission here on Scanner School is to pass what I know and my knowledge of this hobby to you. So if you're new to the hobby, or if you've been doing this for a long time, my goal and my mission is to bring you something new to think about or something new to do or something new to act on or maybe just something that I can un- explain or understand or, or give to you differently right each week. And I'm looking to see if there's something that I haven't covered yet that you might want to hear on the podcast. So make sure you reach out to me, Phil, at scannerschool.com and let me know if there's something that I can help you with or explain on the podcast that we haven't covered yet. But if you need more help or more answers or anything else like that, we're always here for you. You can join our growing community over on Discord. You can request one-on-one tutoring. Or you could submit questions for our monthly Q&A session. Or you can be part of our bigger Patreon community and join us monthly for a roundtable monthly meetup where we all share our experiences and questions and whatnot through a larger or a smaller, actually, a smaller community, but more focused on just growing that relationship between other scanner radio users. Now, on this week's podcast, we are talking with Jim Heinrich. And Jim has been one of our supporters for quite a while. So, Jim, thank you so much for your Patreon support. But Jim is here to share with everybody how he built his radio room, or how he's taken over their uh, their gaming room, I think is what they, he was calling it before. The important thing, though, to take away in Jim's journey, right, to build this massive setup and this massive room that he's putting together, right, is that it doesn't take a lot of money to get started. Anybody could start building their command post or their radio room or the radio shack, whatever it is you want to call it. It doesn't take a lot of money. It takes one radio on a desk to get started. That's all there is to it. And there's multiple different avenues that Jim says that you can go down to get there, whether it be your own radio, a software-defined radio, using other resources that are available to you. These are all ways that you can, on a budget, start building out a radio room before you get to the level of multi-years of collecting and building and investing in the hobby, right? 
one radio, one monitor, one screen, one computer, whatever it is, can get you going down this path. Jim has got a lot of experience putting these things together. He has tweaked things, set different things up, purchased other things to enhance his hobby. But again, a lot of what Jim has is tangible to everybody. And I hope that it kind of gets the wheels spinning in your minds as to what it is you can do to maybe improve, modify, tweak your existing radio setup. So one of those things too that Jim wants to stress and I would like to stress as well is that your listening needs and your listening setup is going to be dictated a lot about where it is you are listening from. Jim will explain further in this episode as to what he means by that. But I just want to keep in mind that, yes, some of the things that you can listen to, I may not be able to listen to and vice versa. And again, some of the equipment that we talk about here goes beyond radio. Jim talks about how he uses computers to monitor certain websites like Flight Radar 24 because that helps him understand who it is his, who he's listening to and where to tune to find some of these planes that are flying overhead. So it goes beyond radio hardware. It goes a little bit more in understanding how things around the radio work. Jim's going to do a much better job explaining it. Again, I'm trying not to steal his thunder, so that's why I'm being very vague here. So without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation that Jim and I recorded for you. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Thank you for being on the podcast today. Hey, Phil, it's great to be with you. So before we get into the uh, the conversation that uh, you have planned for us today, really quickly, one thing I like to do with all my guests when they come on the podcast, especially for the first time, is to have uh, have you introduce yourself. So why don't you share a little bit about uh, about yourself and what it is that you enjoy scanning? All right. Uh, Jim Heinrichs here. I started off as a teenager listening just to my local police department on their little VHF repeater back in the day. And uh, in preparation for our, our podcast today, it, it hit me upside the head that uh, I'm in my 40th year of, uh, of monitoring. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's, a lot, that's a lot of time. <laughs> and how far it's come since, uh, since back then when I had a little four Crystal Regency desktop and I watched the red lights, you know, dot across the screen uh, of it. But uh, I started off with, you know, listening to the police and, and stuff around me and mostly crystal stuff. And then, you know, the admin of the programmable came along. And then it wasn't too long after that trunking. And I was slow to get into trunking. And my tastes have kind of morphed over the years from uh, public safety. Aviation has always been a, a real big interest of mine. Rails come along. And uh, and now where I find myself with with the house and having a little corner in in the or one of the rooms here is I've built myself into a, a decent shack where I listen to several different modes of things and I got to thinking about something I could do to contribute to scanner school and and talking about shack configuration and what to monitor how to monitor what to do was something that uh, that popped in my head. Excellent, and we're glad to have you here because this is something that we really haven't talked about yet. I was always postponing doing an episode like this until I was ready to redo my shack here because everything here I've been in my house almost 20 years now and everything's been temporary so it's it's good to have you have you come on here and uh, discuss how you set yours up so just a quick breakdown so you've you've basically you said you've morphed you've gone from PD uh, public safety to aviation marine rail so you you've you've covered the gauntlet 
you've had several radios, you said, from the old crystal radios, and then I guess the old analog conventional, then finally trunking, and I guess of today's day and age. But what radio or radios are you using now? I have quite a bit of an illness room here. <laughs> Join the club, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing that I want to stress to everybody listening today is that you don't have to have a lot of money to get something off the ground and going. Half mm-hmm. of my shack are scanners that are basically old and would be considered obsolete, but I love them. And uh, I've got about uh, 12 to 13 scanners running at any given time. Okay. So um, I'm running. That's just on and operational. That's not just sitting there collecting dust. That's correct. They okay. do collect, but yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're functional and running. Okay. Yes, they are running. And, um, you know, the first thing I want to stress in getting off the ground with this is that everyone's mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. I do mine a certain way. It doesn't make me any better or any worse than anybody else. And based on where I am geographically in the United States, you know, kind of dictates a little bit of what I'm able to really get into and enjoy more than, you know, say someone that lives in Pensacola. There's a lot of different things they've got access to that I don't based on their position. So that's the one of the first things I want the listeners of Scanner School to think about uh, if they're, you know, down at the bottom of the of the hill looking to how, how to get to the top to have a good shack to monitor. What does your area have and what does it present to you as far as opportunities? You know, someone who lives out in West Virginia, for instance, may not have a whole lot of aviation to listen to, but man, I bet there's all kinds of trains running. So, and someone in Pensacola has Marine that they can listen to and they've got some aviation and some rail. But uh, up here where I live in, uh, in Dayton, Ohio, aviation is pretty good. I'm pretty fortunate. I live, you know, within range of uh, some major airports and, and they're all very cargo intensive. So I get the benefit of, um, of hearing a lot of the Amazon jets that fly into Cincinnati every day around the clock, uh, seven days a week. There's a small airport, Wilmington, that um, also supports that Dayton, Ohio, right? Patterson Air Force Base. So I get a lot of, of stuff there that I, I listen to, to the aviation on. CSX, Norfolk Southern Rail, have main lines near me that I can I can hear them on. And of course, you know, all the public safety, which, you know, that all has gone digital trunking. So mm-hmm. that stuff does play in. But in listening about how to set up and how to listen, and I feel kind of bad because you've preached this to us so much, Phil. For 35 bucks and an SDR dongle, you can listen to all that. And and so when you decide what the theme is and the direction you want to take your shack in. I really have found in the last couple of years that having a, a small laptop and a monitor to throw in there really enhances the experience. So, for instance, if, you, if you've got your, your SDS or your Whistler series digital scanners and you've got a laptop with a monitor, uh, you, can, you can throw Unitrunker in and you can watch you know, your trunk system in action while a certain uh, event unfolds or you just want to see who's doing what and kind of spy on the system, there's something with public safety that, that you can do and you can even, you know, use SDRs to help uh, monitor that as well. So there's there's a cheap alternative aside of the expensive SDSs that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to get a couple of, but you can still do it without having, you know, huge money. Being able to to help your scanners work. With the SDRs and with the, the digital series scanners, listen to public safety, you really don't have to have a lot of help because they're high-powered, repeated systems that uh, they really reach out everywhere. Right. So having a big antenna really doesn't come into play with that. If you want to listen to rail or aviation or even marine, for instance, 
you, you need a little help with the antennas. So I've drug along with me all through the years in the houses I've lived in several of the old Radio Shack VHF UHF scanner antennas. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple uh, disc cones. And then recently I purchased a DPD Productions aviation antenna that's specifically tuned for VHF and UHF military. How are you liking that? I'm liking it. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, it, I always, you know, I'm always thinking about how can I make it better? And I struggle with <laughs> that's you know, part of the hobby. <laughs> I, I, I struggle with a, a good friend of mine that comes around and, and he's pretty savvy with, with stuff. And I'm like, you know, we, we need to just get a pole one day that's 40 foot long and bolt one of these antennas to it and stick it up in the air next to the house and mm-hmm. try to see what the difference would be before I would think about plunking money down to, to put a tower up. Right. Now, so where do you have it now? Where, where is that DPD antenna? Everything, all the antennas I talked about are in my attic. Okay. And uh, I've just, uh, you know, run a, a, the, the bolts uh, into the trusses and got them up right. as high. And then I've uh, I run them down and uh, knocked a little hole in the drywall. And, and brought them in. I, I also have purchased a Stridesburg uh, multi-coupler. Okay. And that was in part in listening to some of the Scanner School uh, episodes about, you know, how to uh, how to do that. And I was lucky enough to actually win a free session with you a while back where that was the main topic of our discussion. I had a preamp before, but the preamp was right down uh, at the base of my, my desk here. Mm-hmm. You had helped me by realizing it needs to be up by the antenna. And so I've I've moved around and tinkered and sent my 15 year old up to the attic more times than I can. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully during the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, you know I've I've reached you know make sure you know where you're stepping because I don't want to see yes. you. Down. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's been a real champ and uh, and my friend Dennis has been a real a real champ with helping me do that. So we That's got it here and I've I've eliminated the amp and used the Stridesburg and. Um, uh, what I've I've done here on on the right side of my desk, I've got three BC seven eighty XLTs. Very nice. I've got an old Radio Shack Pro twenty thirty. Okay. And I've got two. I've got a BCT fifteen and a BCT fifteen X that I just scored at the the ham mention. I'm also spoiled, guys. They're listening. I I live in Dayton. <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, but yep, yep, right there. I'm spoiled by that and so fortunate because that flea market is just amazing. And I have scored there every single year. I put a little laundry list together of things I want to get, mm-hmm. kind of updating my base radios over the last few uh, times. Of course, this year was just the first time we've been. We, you know, they've been closed for two years. So I went there with the, um, the intention of picking up a couple of BCT 15 series radios to help in searching and in scanning and i was lucky because uh i've got one of each i paid 50 bucks for each of them oh that's a score yeah you got that that's great but what kills me is in walking down all those aisles five minutes later in the at the other end of the same row there was uh i could have bought nine uh, 996s for the same price are you kidding no, I'm not. And, and, and <laughs> it made me sick to my stomach after I already dropped. Because you, once you buy it, you buy it. You own it. Yeah, you own it. Right. There's no returns. That's right. And uh, I got down to the end of the same row. <laughs> and I'm just, my my mouth is hanging open. And I'm like, oh, man. But of course, you, you walk the gauntlet when you go to a hamvention. Because if I, if I think to myself, well, I'm going to walk the whole hamvention first. And then I'll go back and you know, nah. carry it. But it's all gone. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you strike. Yeah, you. It's 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 definitely a. Uh, you don't want to pick the bones clean. You want to go there while the meal is still you know on the table. You know, and 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 get the get that piece of prime rib. You know, right. That's absolutely right. So, the last several years, all the BC seven eighties that I've got, uh, same thing. Hamvention. Okay. Those up, I think, for sixty a piece about five or six years ago when they were still. A little, little popular, but I use all of those I just mentioned for analog scanning. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they're not digital capable, but the three, uh, I, I have mine set up, one on VHF Air, one specifically on UHF Military, my old Radio Shack 2030 scans Railroad. It's so hot on Railroad, and I don't know why, but I'm not questioning that thing. It picks up Railroad like it's nobody's business, and it always has. Very nice. Yeah, and that's an ancient radio. I mean, that 2030 is ancient. Right. My wife's grandparents owned it when they when they listened to the local police and fire way back when, and I kind of acquired it as a hand-me-down from them. So, and I've also got uh, an old uh, Regency TurboScan 800, you know, one of those kind of long ones with the diagonal face on the front of it. Okay. And then down in the in the, the bottom right front is uh, an old 396 X, uh, 396T and an HP1. So between all those on, on the right, I, I, I scan VHF and UHF air. And there's some redundancy built into those because if you hear, you hear an emergency happen with an aircraft, they're going to be changing frequencies if they're talking to center as they're bringing them down and things like that. So just like with, with monitoring any kind of a public safety incident, you might, you want to hear the police side, you want to hear the fire side. You want to hear uh, maybe air EMS coming into an accident, so there's that. So I've built redundancy into the third uh, BC780, and I can I can toggle to that after I've locked onto one channel with a different one. So that helps me to make sure I don't miss anything, or if there's a frequency change, I can I can jump right along with it. You know, with my other radios on the bottom, the HP1 and the 396, those are are trunking digital, but they're just very limited to certain things like. Uh, crash rescue talk group at the Dayton International Airport with an alert built in. So if mm-hmm. that talk group, it, it beeps real loud and that'll catch my attention. And then I just, I monitor fire dispatch with my HP one. And that's one of those deals where, you know, they're really subject to that simulcast distortion, but I don't run those through the Stridesburg. I have a, a Motorola magnet mount up in the attic and I brought it down and it runs through a bunch of splitters and it's ugly and it's disgusting. But believe it or not, it's helped me to achieve exactly what I want because they've been detuned so much with the little splitters and the short little jumpers of cable runs and things that it detunes them so much that it almost receives flawlessly. And it gets a little bit of simulcast modulation in there sometimes, but for the most part, it receives it really clean. And so I'm real lucky about that. And I just kind of stumbled backwards into figuring out that it worked. You know, everybody's different and with how, what kind of luck they have if they have uh, non-SDS radios listening to digital trunking. You hit on that, though, earlier, though, because you were talking about with, you know, not needing the outdoor antenna because everything has got, for a lot of the systems, are on repeaters or have good power. And again, we have to remember with these trunk systems, right, they're built most of the time for like 95 or better percentage of being able to be used with a on-the-hip radio so that PD can be outside their car and still reach a dispatcher. So for a lot of times, and we have to forget what we know about conventionals, I think now about simulcast, we have to think completely backwards about it. 
but you don't want the outdoor antenna. So exactly the way you've set it up and the way you're tinkering with it and to put just the, the set top antenna or just another antenna off in, you know, in a corner, that's what you want. But again, you've also got the, the hobby side of it where you're playing with everything, right? You're playing with, if I change this, what does that do over here? If I do this, what does that do over there? If I, if I modify that, right? And, and you're into it. So, so that's, that's great what, what you're playing around with right now. So I just wanted to, to kind of tie in what you talked about earlier with what you just talked about with the antenna placement on the HP1 and simulcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention my two BCT-15 series radios. I had big plans to program those up to do all the av- aviation uh, monitoring because I've heard that they do pretty well. Specifically got the 780s because of all the, the hype about how well they do receiving aircraft. But since I've stuck them in here uh, since May and when I got them, I just put them both in search mode. Because somebody I listen to sometimes on my iPhone talks about secrets in the searches. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that, that's been beating my head. And I thought, you know, I, I should mess around with that. And it's kind of neat because these two scanners have all kinds of neat service search modes built into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them has like a, a GMRS, MARS, or whatever those those are. right? Yep. URS, that's right. So it's got multiple search modes in that and then this got all your public safety and things so i thought i just want to tinker with this and see how well they receive and you know maybe there's somebody around here families or something that are you know running yard ops when they're cutting the grass or something or or something like that and um i've also uh, put one of them in a vhf search mode between the top end of 153 megahertz right up to about 156 megahertz okay and it's that's mostly fire paging over here for us. Just about everybody's communicating through a, a, a trunk system, but fire paging, you know, is more stable on VHF or UHF than it is 800. So I've thrown that into a search mode, and it's been incredible to hear the fire dispatches that come across. I'm picking stuff up that's 80, 85 miles away. I have to, you know, I have to, and the neat thing is it shows the, uh, the tone squelch along mm-hmm. with so that helps me to identify the station that i'm hearing from when i go into to search the frequency online you know the atmosphere changes you get band openings and so sometimes i'm hearing some dispatches way over in indiana for ems that i'm like wow this is pretty cool i'm i'm really pulling it in right with the uh, antenna configuration i have in the attic i'm hearing aircraft pretty well 20,000 feet and above 180 miles, 150 to 180 miles from where I live. So that's that's really encouraging to me. And and the part that complements that that I, I want to stress to the listeners today, if you've got the laptop and you've got a monitor, and you you know I'm just going to go with airplanes because that's me. I have uh, Flight Radar 24. There are several different versions you can get, but I've got Flight Radar 24 on a on an oversized monitor in the middle of my desk, and it shows me all the aircraft I'm listening to, if you buy an upgrade to it, which I did, I, I, brought, I bought the gold membership to Flight Radar 24. It puts in uh, ATC sector boundaries. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's really That's cool. That's good. And overlay weather and see the storms. So with the uh, Indy Center air traffic control sectors that I listen to that I can hear the controllers, I can figure out exactly where their boundaries are and, and where they're handing off and where they're picking up, uh, which is really neat. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of gives you a little bit of a feel like you're actually in the center working aircraft because you can see them and you can hear them both. And there's always something neat that's passing around me that I can, I can look at and, and talk about. Um, there's been weather events. You know, we've had really bad storms. One in particular, I remember last winter. And there was a NASA U-2 that was flying over at 60,000 feet when this uh, snowstorm was at its worst, uh, I guess, taking measurement readings. There was an old um, an old P-3 that they send into the hurricanes. Well, they had that over here doing storm measurements, but much lower than what the U-2 was at. So there's been some really cool sightings I've had integrating the monitor and the ability to to watch that with the aviation listening. I've heard that there's other programs out there for watching uh, marine boats uh, mm-hmm. out. In- I've heard that there's also a program for trains, and I've not jumped into it yet, but I really want to see if I can figure that out with positive train control and some of the other things that uh, you know the railroads have upgraded to. And that's just something I've not got to yet. You may want to hurry up on that one because I've been – I've been looking around at that one. I forget the software that's uh, that people use. And again, somebody's yelling at their iPhone right now, saying it's this, it's this. But it's uh, it's it's interesting because they they lay it out. They've got the map set out, so you can see basically what the dispatch center for like CSX or you know, be was it BSAF or, or whatever else, right, is, is out there. And I'm hearing though that a lot of these train controls and, and whatnot are are slowly being moved away from terrestrial and going to satellite communication. So a lot of stuff is just disappearing. Where I am here on Long Island, we don't have anything owned by a freight freightliner. It's all owned by Long Island Railroad and then Amtrak owns everything that's you know runs through the city and up. So I don't have much of that to listen to out here to, to play around with. But uh but yeah if you have any interest in that one, I know there's software out there. I know it runs Windows and uh jump on that while you still can. I'm not saying it's gonna go away the next three or four years, but I think certain areas are slowly moving away, but it could just be what I was reading also. So no, no. no, you know, no, no proof on that. I agree with your comment. I have noticed it, uh, some of the control points, you know, where the, where the signals are along the rails, especially with CSX around here, there are satellite dishes now next to the shanties that, uh, that control that uh, signaling. Mm. So, so yes, I would, I would agree that there you, you're onto something with that. So, and of course, you know, there's, there's the ever looming NXDN switch over to rail. Which would happen forever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of views that they got locomotives to make that all happen because there are parts where I live where CSX crosses over the Norfolk Southern main line to get to a customer. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a neat, unique opportunity where you hear a different railroads power unit speaking to the other railroads dispatcher and getting clearance across their main to go make a delivery or pick up at a customer. So everybody's got switch at the same time for that all to work properly. Right, right. So there's there's a lot of noise coming from that corner of your house, apparently, <laughs> between all the radios and everything you're listening to. In the daytime and through the week. But when I'm on vacation or sick, I'm, I'm loving it, right? Uh, right. When I'm at work, uh, you know, I don't have the the fun here. Uh, and when I worked from home for a while with COVID, it was it was so much fun because uh, I'd be out in in the kitchen doing actual work work, and here in uh, in the in what we call the game room or I call my my radio room, I'm hearing all the um, the F-16 pilots that that do their training through the week, going down to a restricted area over southern Ohio where they practice and 
simulate dog fighting and uh, every now and then, um, you know, they'll do refueling or AWACS will stick their nose in uh, while they're doing stuff. So I'm trying. So when I worked from home for, for a while, I'm, I'm trying to focus on my work the whole time and all the incredibly great traffic on my radios. And it was, it was a torture because I had to stay focused on my, on my right, job. Right. <laughs> but I'm here, you know, uh, fights on, fights on, you know, and all that crazy, crazy stuff. Oh, that's interesting. We don't get much of that out here. So that, that's always cool to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, the other side of my desk, which is kind of, a, I don't know, it's kind of not an L, but the, the left side of my desk is my handheld radios. And I've got an SDS 200 that fits real nice on the left. And that's mostly dedicated to the digital side of it. Mm-hmm. I have an old PSR 500 that uh, I, I okay. part with. And in in my region of where I live, we have Ohio uh, Marks, which is the big MARCS, is multiple agency radio communication system. And it's the state of Ohio's big digital P25 system. And they have sites over the entire state. And then in the larger populated cities, those counties have had the money to put on their own their own simulcast sites within that, which I'm sure you know, mirrors a lot of the country. And what what they do there is you have an overlap of what I call state sites and simulcast systems. So my, my PSR 500 is parked on the uh, state site for the Dayton area. And I have certain talk groups programmed in that, like our local uh, air EMS service. There's, there's two helicopter services now that uh, kind of overlap over here. So whenever they get anything going and they affiliate with the state site, they'll, they'll pop through real, real well. The uh, Ohio State Highway Patrol, they kind of bounce between the Montgomery County site where I live, that, that network and the state site, just depending on where their cruisers are. So sometimes they'll, they'll pop in and out. Uh, so I've still got a purpose for my PSR 500 in that capacity. And, um, I've got a Unication product, a G4 that's just incredibly, uh, you know, spot on all the time and an SDS 100. So. The, the, the two, uh, the SDS 100 and my G4 sometimes make it out to my chair in the living room in the evenings. And, uh, if I hear anything crazy happening, I'll, I'll try to get up out of the chair and run in here to the, the sh- <laughs> start hitting me and locking in talk groups and, and see what's going on. But, um, well, we got it. We, we, we got to get you going on now is get all those radios funneled into a, uh, a computer running pro scan. This way you can have the laptop out in the other room. And then when you hear something good, you just dial into that radio from your uh, laptop. And then you can monitor it from from your lazy boy, That's <laughs> so. right? And I could even like set up something at work so I could get fired See? for the work. <laughs> I'd love to do that though. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. All right, this is a good place right now to stop and pause. For anybody who's a three dollar or more Patreon supporter, you don't get this break. You can get right back into this conversation that Jim and I are having right now. But for everybody else, we'll catch you in just a moment. Would you like to avoid hearing this break in the podcast? Well, some of our Patreon supporters get to do exactly that. Think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly pledge, not only do you get to help support the podcast, but depending on your support tier, you can receive certain benefits. Our most popular benefit tier is our extra credit or $5 a month tier. This allows you to sponsor us monthly or annually 
at a discount. And Extra Credit members not only receive an early release of a commercial-free podcast, again, this break is not in that podcast episode, but they also have access to early releases of YouTube videos, additional benefits such as squelchy sticker packs, discounts on our tutoring services, courses, and more. But if that wasn't enough, we have a great exclusive community set up just for our Extra Credit members, and it's great to catch up with them during our monthly member meetups. And these monthly meetups are also available for replay for anybody who is unable to attend that particular meetup. Members also have access to a private channel on our Discord server so they can also communicate with each other between our monthly membership meetup. You can become a Patreon supporter right now by going to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, and MURS, and 2A radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as backup issues too. To download your free sample issue or subscribe, visit natcommag.com. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. So we've talked about your big setup here, which is definitely covering a lot of stuff. So you've got trying to summarize with my notes here you've got public safety you've got aviation you've got rails you've got mill air you're watching the airlines with flight radar 24 so you've got your state system and then you've got your county also on 
the big state Ohio system. So you've got a lot of stuff set up and running and you're keeping tabs on a ton of stuff. So let's let's dial it back because when you when you were first getting into everything here on, on the conversation, you were saying that you don't need all of this, right, to get started with building a shack or a monitoring post or whatever your battle station, right? Whatever you want to call what somebody's going to sit down and start listening to. So you were talking earlier about SDRs or something like that. So say somebody wants to start assembling, right, their shack and they want to start putting something together. What would you recommend they start off with? Maybe with just one or two radios. What would you, what device would you give? What I'm looking to do is break it down to three categories here. So we'll do a starter, a starter setup, maybe an intermediate setup, and then something like your advanced setup. Let's, let's go that route. Of course, like I said in the very beginning, your mileage may vary, but my first thing would be if I'm just starting out would be to find an old analog scanner. And it doesn't have to be a desktop. It could be a handheld, one or the other, just an old analog one that you can pick up almost for nothing. Mm-hmm. Garage sale item, maybe if you're lucky. And determine determine what, what's hot in your area. And then start to to build up your scanning resources based on what your area will provide for you. If you happen to be lucky enough to live uh, in an aviation rich area, that's great. But you know, and, and another thing too is these air route traffic control centers have transmitters placed all over all and over you, yes. you live in the middle of nowhere and indy center or your center whatever it is will have a, a what they call an rcag remote communication air to ground and you can hear all kinds of cool stuff uh with with that and you can hear the uhf side as well as the um, vhf side so figure out what what is in your area that that can help you you can go to radioreference.com you don't have to be a member and you can look through there to see what might be in your area that looks inviting as a reference point to start and then just start to build your shack up from that. I would say, you know, at some point in time, getting at least a, a small tablet because I just got this big TV or this big computer monitor for Christmas. Actually, before that, I just had a real cheap little RCA tablet that uh, I played Tetris on, but, um, I was able to, you know, to use it for flight radar and watch planes with that. So I've, I've upgraded some as, as time and money allows to, to allow me to do other stuff. So get a tablet or a, a cheap laptop or a, there's so many hand-me-down laptops anymore. These, you know, laptops, they change so much and they become outdated so much. But if you've got one with an internet connection and an SDR dongle, man, you can really do a lot of stuff with it. Right. And that's the one area that I'm really in, in scanner school trouble because I have one, but I rarely use it. I would, I'm an old school kind of nuts and bolts, uh, button pushing programming kind of guy. I like to put stuff in manually. I, I do my software updates on my SDSs, but I only, I only do it a couple of times a year. I don't get crazy every Monday or Tuesday after the software updates come out to keep them as fresh as possible because I really don't think they change all that much. So build it up from there. Get, get yourself a, a, an analog scanner that's simple and run the searches, see what's hot in your area, what's not. And, and even a, a local factory or, or um, business like that can be, can be fun to listen to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like it, but you can really hear some neat inner workings of things. And, and you know, a lot of them are starting to go you know, the wayside of, of digital. 
but there are still some that are on analog around. There are some uh, groups that you can uh, subscribe to online. I get FCC updates every week through um, one of the uh, groups.io memberships. And I always love looking through that because it's like, okay, who's up, who's upgraded and renewed their license and what are their frequencies? And what, how are they running? You'll get all that information sent to you for free if you register with the, the right groups. And that can help also build the foundation for your, your monitoring post. Exactly. And again, too, to lean on what you're saying also, you can use other people's resources, right? So if you jump on Broadcastify, you could start listening to other other people's scanners. You can't control them, but you can listen to them. So even if you start off with a analog-only radio, but somebody in your area is using digital, and maybe it's the fire department or the police department, you could always use that tablet to listen to that other person's who's streaming to the internet, right? And then use that tablet to monitor that while you're still using your analog-only radio or your hand-me-down or something like that just to fill in the blanks or, the, or the, you know stuff like that. So there are ways to get into the hobby for cheap and to start building what it is that you're going to start listening to eventually. Because again, a lot of these things, right, that you've got 40 years in the hobby. Your setup wasn't built overnight. It took 40 years for you to get here. So it's not like somebody should be expected to come into the hobby and have to buy 40 years worth of equipment, right? You, you graduate into this. Although some people, they go, okay, well, I like that one. I'm going to buy it. I like this one. I'm going to buy it. So I'm in a hobby right now. That's what I'm doing. It's I'm just, I, I got money falling out of my wallet, you know, because I'm trying to buy all these things. But that's, that's usually the way I operate. I got into photography and I dumped digital camera body and, and five or six lenses. And before you know it, it's like $10,000. You're like, uh, uh, great. You know, now the credit card's still, <laughs> how am I going to pay this back? So uh, you got to watch out for that trap as well. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if there's any ham fests or Craigslist, mm-hmm. garage sales, I, I drive my, my wife and my, my two kids, of course they're 17 and 19 now, but I drive them crazy because we go by a garage sale and I slow down to creeper speed. All right. Anybody see any antennas sticking up? Are there scanners on? <laughs> go check. You just never know. Right. I've, I've scored some, some cool stuff. I've actually had friends come over and drop off an old scanner. Say, hey, I bought this for a quarter. Here you go. And, uh, I love that kind of stuff. And, um, that, that's really cool. And, and with some of the scanners and what you were just talking about with Broadcastify and piggybacking on that, part of the, the great thing about all these digital 800 scanners that, you know, some people can't afford, some people can't, there's a downside to the paging and all that. The signal in the 800 is too unstable for pagers to be considered reliable. So most of the fire departments, at least in my area, and I I would imagine it's somewhat similar across the country, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they tone out on VHF and UHF. And a lot of them simulcast their operation on dispatch through the UHF or VHF repeater that they page on. So there are some fire departments around here that I can hear everything on dispatch all the time because they simulcast it through their VHF uh, paging site. And uh, the, the county to the south of me, Warren County, their fire band, their paging is on UHF, a UHF repeater. Everything you hear goes right through it. So it's kind of cool. You don't have to have that expensive scanner to hear that. You can kind of, you know, sneak around and, and hear most of it. Now, if they go to a ops channel, uh, you're not going to get that. But you get off the ground by knowing at least that there's a, a big burner somewhere, you know, near you. Right. By, dispatch and you hear the dispatch traffic 
Exactly. And then you can either, if you can't find on Broadcastify, then of course you go down the, the route of the SDR for cheap again, and then you graduate into everything else from there. So I would think that you would start off, like you, you just said, you know, one radio, maybe a tablet, one radio, maybe a computer or something like that, that gets you something you can control and something that can enhance what it is you have on, on your desk right now. Personally, I think once you start breaking into the SDR world, you started breaking now into, you're no longer basic because you, you kind of have to tinker with it right at that point. You're getting more into the intermediate setups at that point because now you're dedicating a resource beyond a scanner. So you're, 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 you're dedicating your, your, your laptop or your desktop computer to it. Or maybe if you have a, an Android tablet that will run SDR plus plus, you know, that now you start, you start really getting into a little bit more of an advanced setup there. Right. I mean, would you agree with that or no? Yes, absolutely. You start getting into the more technical layers of what, what it is. Mm-hmm. And you've got to really have a keen interest in, in scanning to, to get to that point. But once you do, it really opens some amazing doors. Right. But once you end up with 10 radios or, or more, I think once you hit that double digit line, I think now you've, you've automatically just hit that advanced level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a free pass. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. Have you tried playing around just, just out of curiosity? Have you tried playing around with ADSB exchange at all when you are uh, going through aviation monitoring instead of using uh, flight radar 24? That is a, a great thing to bring up. I have it on my iPhone and it is a wonderful complement to the flight radar 24s or flight aware monitoring because ADSB gives you just a little bit more than the other ones do because uh, a good deal of the military uses ADSB now. So you can see a lot more than what uh, some of the other big, big names will filter. Right. And that's the keyword right there will filter. So a lot of those other providers will filter out some of those military flights that ADSB Exchange will leave in. And another thing to mo- uh, realize too is, and I don't know if Flight Radar works the same way because I'm not really a heavy user of that. I, I have the dongle here. I, I, I do feed out ADSB info. I don't know if I send to them or not because it's been forever since I've set up my ADSB setup. And do they offer you, if you send them your ADSB information, do they offer you a higher level account besides just the basic account on flight radar 24 most of them do yes if you'll okay. become a gas station i believe flight aware will even send you the a raspberry pi it's called pi aware they don't send you the pi they send you the image okay. so that's a free download yeah yeah they'll uh, they'll give you a an upgraded um subscription to yep. buy data to them and and that's the, it's that way with the radio reference too if you stream to broadcastify, they'll give you an upgraded prescription, prescription, listen to me, subscription <laughs> as well. Right, right. And that, that's why I was wondering about Flight Radar because, I, again, I'm not super experienced with them and their platform, but I I do send data out to Flight Aware. So I have the Pi Aware set up on my Raspberry Pi. And then from there, I've enabled sharing with ADSB Exchange. So let me back up. So I get Flight Aware, their, their premium subscription i get included adsb exchange basically gives me an ad-free version of their interface and then i'm also sending to what's the other one now i can't think of it flight aware radar 24 flight it's not flight radar 24 it's the other one the one i'm forgetting about let me see here it's flight yeah flight radar yeah flight radar 24 yeah so what's the other one i'm thinking of this is flight aware flight radar 24 there's another me. one. There's another one. Somebody's screaming. Um, 
Yeah, somebody's screaming there, exactly. But yeah, so I, I use Flight Radar 24, so I had to back around that, what I just said. I use Flight Radar 24. There's another one I'm thinking of that's out there that I'm not sending to, but I like using Flight Radar 24 a lot because um, I, I have my alerts set up on there, and it, it's on my phone. So when the local police helicopter goes up, I get an alert on my phone right away. When I was tracking the, the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels, waiting for them to come and do the air show here, I would put them in. So I would know when they were flying in, in, up in the air. I have, I'm just looking here, I'm looking at my flight radar set up now, and I've got, let's see, custom alerts. I've got, I've got the PD helicopters from my county, New York City, and the county to, to the uh, east of me. I've got the Thunderbirds. I have a couple of government planes in there, and I've got the traffic helicopters, the news stations. I put all their registrations in as well. So whenever they go up for something, you know, if it's if it's not in the morning when they're supposed to be up, then I'll get the alert on that as well. So I can track them and see, okay, well, my police are encrypted, but if Channel 7 is flying a, a helicopter and they're doing laps around certain town, hey, I know something happened over there that's newsworthy. Because they wouldn't just they wouldn't just send that out over there for for nothing. So okay. there's a lot that you can do. And again, I didn't realize with with flight you said with flight radar 24, right? You're using yes the ADSB boundaries, and that is something I have to check out. So I'm looking up ADSB ADSB layers. Yeah, service. Let's see. It's not going to come up. Let's do flight flight tracking app let's see what comes up here flight aware flight radar 24 maybe plane finder or plane, something maybe it's plane finder yeah they they had their own dongle though i forget who it was but there's a there's another service out there that i know i'm not sending to and now i can't think who it is radar box that's what it was oh okay i've never heard of that one yes so i got it back up now so right so i'm, I'm confused because it's radar box 24 is is their Twitter handle. So that's where I got confused between Flight Radar 24 and Radar Box. Gotcha. So but again if you if you feed also to Radar Box with the same ADSB interface, then I believe they give you something as well. So Yeah. And in mentioning Twitter is a great mission popped in my head. I've a lot of my Twitter following to people who scan and to people who military monitor and I'm all the time getting neat uh, tips and tricks and seeing things that I, I don't know that's there. So it's an educational resource there, too. Twitter can be a sewer sometimes, but it, it, can, <laughs> it can also be educational uh, with that. Because there are, there are uh, some people in, in my neck of the woods, one gentleman in particular, how he finds out what's going on and what's moving around. And he's got it broke down to the aircraft serial numbers and everything. I don't know how he does it. I've been wanting to buy him a beer or a pizza forever, but um, I don't, you know, run into him enough to do that. And I don't think he lives really close. And that guy is just like uh, mill air royalty. I'm just always impressed with how he gets the information he does. So there's there's cheap, easy, free ways to to get more information about what's going on around you if you're not aware of it. Right. And you know, I love having these conversations with with people because now I've learned that. On Flight Radar 24, I can put my ATSC boundaries online, and I'm looking right at Long Island where I'm sitting, and there's a boundary just to the east of me, like literally just to the east of me, which I never knew it was there. So you now I have to dig into it and see if I can figure out what the, what these boundaries are because I look at these maps sometimes, and it's like 
you can't make heads or tails out of where things are. <laughs> so yeah, I find they, aviation sometimes to be a little, little overly confusing. So, and at the same time, when when you can you know, kind of put some pieces together and figure a few things out with it, it's also in, incredibly gratifying too. You know, when COVID had hit and the air traffic slowed down, there was air traffic controllers working multiple sectors that you would never ever hear on a regular time like it is you know everything's kind of gotten back to normal now so all those sectors are broke up into separate controllers because of the volume mm-hmm. but back was at its peak i'm hearing one controller work five six seven heavy busy sectors all at once and i'm like wow things really have slowed down because this guy's working all this area and right. they would never ever do it like that yep and again it's something that that you only know by listening to to your scanner so it's, and again, analog and aviation, you don't need a lot to listen to aviation. I mean, these planes are flying 10, 20, 30,000 feet. So you can enjoy this being out in your backyard with just your handheld radio, which is something I, I do. I have my, my ICOM R6 just has the New York and it's got, um, I forget the other one. It's, it's uh, Z, ZNY and then the Boston Center. And then the uh, New York City Center as well in there, and I just go through all three of those services and just let them play through. So, yeah, you are uh, all the time where you're at. Yeah, well, we got a couple of airports around here, <laughs> <laughs> just a couple, to name the few. So, yeah. but yeah, the planes sometimes they don't know they don't the, the flight path doesn't really put the approaches or departures over my house, but. Every once in a while, you'll get one that banks in a little bit low, and, and you can tell, okay, you know, he's on a he's on a different route. The other day, I was, I there was a plane that was coming in, and it was really, really low, and I did a quick search because again, with Flight Radar Twenty Four, again, you can use the AI on your phone, so you actually it turns the camera on, and you can point the phone at the at the airplane, and it will tell you the information about that flight, and it was coming in from. Uh, Anchorage. Oh wow! So I was able to just see the flight using my phone's camera, and then I was able to track it out and say, "Okay, he's landing in JFK in about four minutes." So yeah. it made sense that he was that low. He wasn't flying from uh, from uh, Alaska and running out of fuel, and that's why he was that low. But uh, but yeah, a lot a lot of stuff you can do just from a you know a very modest setup, and, and a lot more you can do from something that's more advanced. So, is there any other tips or tricks that you want to share with somebody as they are? getting into building their their setup don't be discouraged one step at a time it's taken me to 54 years old to get to where i am with everything and i am only scratching the surface there's so much more i could be doing and a lot of people out there you know they they get discouraged with where the hobby might be heading because of that that ugly capital e word mm-hmm. but there are, uh, my my shack is a glowing testament that um, you don't have to have a digital scanner to hear what's going on around you and and make fun you know make a good time of what you're doing because i can come in here any time day or night and i can find something that's going on that's fun to kind of track and see and i know that the, the confines of, of the time limit of the podcast you know prohibits me from going into all the little things but there's so many things that, that you can make out of what you see flying overhead and it, it's fun from that standpoint it can be boring because it's always very routine but when something goes sideways you know there's crazy stuff to hear so just uh have an open mind and and something may not work at first try a workaround and and keep going at it and um keep your eyes open for sales garage sales craigslist uh if you've got a ham vention or a 
a swap meet or a, a flea market near you, shoot over there because ham guys, they, they, got, they like scanners too. Right. Might be getting away from something because they're moving up to that big, cool digital thing. And, um, you know, you might score a, a good win there and, and keep going from there. Exactly. Or you got a lot of guys too that they want to play with something and then they lose interest in it six months later and they just want to offload it so they can get something new. And that's a lot of guys that too. They just, they, they bought it because they want to play around with it. They've, they've had their fun. Now it's, they want to, they want to offload to somebody else. And that's always one of theirs. Uh, you know, my loss is your gain type of situation, but it could also be, I know what I've got, you know, <laughs> and he wants to sell it at top dollar because it's only six months old. So, but, um, and going back to what you said too, sometimes it could be boring because it is routine. A lot of listening to aviation is routine, right? It's a lot of the same information on a certain ways delivered to you, right? And that's something to keep in mind because yes, it is routine. Yes, it does sound the same. Yes, it can be boring. But when you learn the patterns and when you learn how something sounds, it's easier for you to pick out when things don't sound right. But it's also easier for you to understand and digest exactly what's happening because you've, you've heard this so many times that you understand that this is their elevation. This is their call sign. This is the center they're talking to. And you kind of get what's going on as opposed to trying to figure out, well, where are they going to go next or who are they talking to or who am I listening to and what is the problem? So it's still good to have that in the, in the back of your mind as far as, and again, I always feel like with aviation, I never understand it because it, it is that very structured thing and they talk very fast. And even though I'm a fast talker, I'm a slow listener. So <laughs> it's sometimes I have to go, what, what he say? You know, it was, but again, a lot of that comes with the listening the more time I feel that I spend listening to it, the more I'll be able to pick up on exactly what it is they're saying because they're not talking so fast because they're in a hurry. They're just talking so fast because it's it's very structured as to what it is that they are they're they're transmitting out and receiving back at the same time. So, and and just in on the rail side of things, it's that same way. I know nothing about railroading, but I've learned so much just by listening, going out driving around looking down the line when you cross the tracks to see what that little thing is on the side here or there, mm-hmm. and that. I could sit down with one of them and have a decent conversation just because I've listened to it long enough. I know where the, the mileposts are. I know what some of this, I know if I, I cross a line and I see a certain color on a signal that there's a train coming or there's someone occupying that block. So that's all come from just taking time to listen. And there's seasonally, there's neat things with trains that happen, just like uh, with planes or there's intermodal trains that have to get by. So they stop other trains or there's grain trains that harvest. They'll push everybody out of the way to get those guys through. So there's things there too that are that are kind of fun to listen to, just depending on where you are and what you got going. And and Amtrak have that, so that'd be fun to hear. Right, right. And and I guess the point is too, right? No matter where you are or where you're starting, there's always going to be something to listen to because there is at this point there's always analog FM. Whether you got well, there's always analog because aviation's AM. Railroads currently still FM could be NXDN, but that's been a transition period forever. Amateur radio, you've got uh, GMRS, and again, that may excite you to get into those licensing so you could talk to somebody. But there's still, I, I, maybe in 50 years, we'll be saying, yeah, that, you know, like TV, right? Analog is dead now and it's all digital. Maybe 50 years from now, we'll be saying the same thing about, uh, about scanning. But by that point, you know, the scanners, uh, will be, I've caught up to that anyway. <laughs> so that's right. But excellent, Jim. The searching, you're right, Phil. Yeah. It, preaching the searching well you hit it you hit it with the searching too early because you were saying that you were listening to stuff out of state right and you wouldn't have heard that first of all 
if you had your 780 set up on a scan list because you also would have had the PL code or DPL code set on there. So because you were in a, in a, a bank search or a range search rather with, with no PL code, you were bringing in everything, everything and anything. And it's amazing too, right? When you look at that 780, how slow it looks for that PL code. Like yeah. it, it samples each one and waits to get a hit on it. It's not as instant as it is with like the, the 15 or, or anything newer than that. So it's, you know, graduating into that as well. You can see the evolution change just on what it is you have in front of you. This is true. So, all right, Jim, anything else before we split? I think we're great. Thank you for, uh, for giving me this opportunity today. Yeah, no. And again, thank you very much for bringing this podcast idea to us. And again, how was the process to, to book your session? It was pretty, pretty simple, right? I clicked a couple of, couple of things and I, yeah, it was very simple. Excellent. Always like to, uh, to stress that if you want to be on the podcast, right? It's, it's a simple conversation and it's even easier to, to book a time to come on. So I, I appreciate you. You spend the time with us today, Jim. Absolutely. All right. You have a good one. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you, Jim, for coming on the podcast and having this conversation and sharing it with all of us. The big takeaway here, again, is that you need to remember is it doesn't take a lot of money to get started building your shack. That's something that Jim wanted to stress. And again, a radio on your desk is all it takes. That's it. A radio on your desk now says, this is where I'm listening from. could be a desk. It could be a coffee table. It could be a corner table in your living room. Whatever it is you want to set up, that is and becomes your radio post. And it can change and it can evolve and it can grow. And like I said earlier in this conversation, I set mine up when I moved into this house temporarily. I moved in here quite a while ago, almost 20 years ago. And it wasn't until last year that I moved from that corner to this corner where I'm sitting right now. And it was temporary for 20 years almost. And it's hopefully not going to be temporary for another 20. Eventually, this space in my basement will become my radio room. The one with four walls around it as opposed to three. You know what I'm saying? It will be closed off from the rest of the house and become my room. So where question for you is, how is your scanner a radio room set up? What tips do you have? Do you have a command desk? Do you have a listening post? Do you have a corner table? Let's talk about it over on our Discord server. And let's also share some photos about your setup and how it is that it looks like when you sit down to enjoy the scanner radio hobby. Again, you can do that by going to scannerschool.com slash Discord. Now, again, this episode was Jim's idea. And if you have an idea for the podcast and you want to be a guest and have a conversation, again, it's a conversation. It's not an interview. I'm not grilling anybody. It's a laid back conversation, sharing your information with the rest of us. Go to scannerschool.com slash guest. Fill out the application on my calendar. Basically, you pick the date and the time that's available and you book it. That's it. A Zoom link goes straight to your inbox and then we just meet at the designated time that you picked to have our conversation. As a reminder, I'm also looking, still looking for questions for our upcoming Ask Scanner School podcast. Go to scannerschool.com slash ask or pick up the phone right now and call 516-308-2885. Do not forget to subscribe to our podcast or our YouTube channel. 
Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter where we let you know what's happening around here each and every week. I promise you I don't spam or send you nonsense in that email. And again, if you've enjoyed this podcast, again, I want to transfer knowledge. Share this podcast episode with somebody else that you think would benefit from hearing this conversation that Jim and I had today. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Altrack, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Rops, Bob Milton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Dombrowski, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Dylan Hyder, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, I Hate Junkmail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeo, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe P., John Cordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R, Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmieri, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Terry Wright, Tim Mazet, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.